prop my feet up, and the nurse lubed me up and started going to town on my vagina. She feels like you're having a seven-pound, 20-inch-long bowel movement. Ah! (laughs) Ah, no! Hello and welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Box with Micah and... Hannah! Today we're going to talk about a number of issues, a number of interesting things. Uh, and uh, we also have today our first call-in to the show, Charity Brown. Yes, she has an interesting story and some interesting information regarding her pregnancy and delivery. Stay tuned for another great episode of Thinking Outside the Box with Micah and Hannah. We have Charity Brown Cook on the line, uh, our first caller. Uh, she's uh, going to call into the show and uh, talk a little bit about uh, her experience and her journey through pregnancy and delivery, the magic of childbirth. Welcome, Charity, to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing well. Good, good. So you uh, recently gave birth to a healthy baby boy. Is that correct? Yes. Seven pounds and seven ounces. His name is Oliver Daniel Cook. Wonderful, wonderful. So tell us a little bit about your experience uh, throughout some of your pregnancy into that final day of delivery. Well, my pregnancy, it, it didn't seem like it lasted that long. It went by pretty fast, and I didn't have any any complications. Um the only time that it started dragging on was a week after my due date. So I was 41 weeks oh overdue. <laughs> yes. So they had to induce me. And what does that entail? <laughs> well, uh, they scheduled me for an induction that started at 8 p.m. on February 4th. And they set me up with an IV drip first. And they entered a tiny tablet called prostaglandin. Uh, what that does, it softens the cervix and prepares for dilation. Okay, okay. Sounds scary. It does sound scary. It wasn't. Um, it was this, it's very powerful for a tiny little pill. I was surprised. So it's taken orally? Uh, no, you insert that into the vagina. Tell us a little bit about uh, the, the night uh, you first went into the hospital uh, to deliver, to be induced? Uh, when I arrived at the hospital, my cervix was only one centimeter dilated and 50% effaced. The, t- the pill that they give me takes up to four hours to kick in. After that, they check to see if there's any progress. By midnight, they came in and checked if I was dilated, and uh, there still wasn't anything happening. So they ended up giving me a second pill. Four hours passed again, and they decided that I needed a Foley tube, which is basically a balloon that they fill up with water ah. while it's inside your cervix. It, it doesn't feel very good. Oh. That doesn't sound like it feels very good. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. Oh, I, I, I think I'm familiar with the, the Foley tubes. That's what they use to keep uh, catheters in place. Yummy. Yeah. <laughs> Just behind the urethra. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, so you had two doses of Pitocin or two doses of something else? Two doses of prostaglandin. Prostaglandin. Cleanse the cervix. And then when did they start the Pitocin? Well, after they gave me the Foley tube, they wanted to wait until I was three centimeters 
for it to fall on its own and then start me on the Pitocin. And its purpose was to stretch me out to three centimeters and it would fall out on its own. Well, time passed and still nothing was happening. So they finally put me onto a uh, Pitocin drip. And Pitocin is made of oxytocin, which kickstarts labor contractions. Okay. Okay. And by 8 a.m. Tuesday morning, I started feeling some action. It was a light ache in my back and then started to feel like mild period cramps. It wasn't that uncomfortable at first, but it gradually started getting stronger. I think the bed that I was lying in made it feel worse. I started feeling them more frequently after a while. It felt like I had a horrible upset stomach and a fever, which resulted in hot flashes, shivering, vomiting, and diarrhea. It was a very pretty picture. And that was all in the first night? No, that was the next morning at 8 a.m. Tuesday. Oh, man. I remember leaning over the, the toilet, throwing up, and the nurse comes in. Do you want something for nausea? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> please. <laughs> to distract myself, I began rhythmic breathing, squats, hugging my husband, and leaning on a birthing ball. I was hoping the Foley tube would fall out first, then get an epidural. But I knew that wasn't happening anytime soon, so I called for someone to get me the drugs before it got too unbearable. Oh, so it was like a double whammy, like uncomfortable and pain at the same time. Right. That mm. sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were just talking, Hannah and I, about uh, cesarean? Weren't yeah. We? Outside. What did you say about That somebody had posted on Facebook that um, any woman who has a cesarean instead of a natural birth is a horrible mother. And I was just like... Wow, like some people can't have natural births and they could die. Yeah, my God. Mm -hmm. See, I don't know, I don't understand why people shame women for the way they're having the baby. Just as long as they're healthy and the baby's healthy, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And cesarean is, it takes longer to heal from than vaginal birth. Anyway, that's a very major surgery and it's scary. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure. I mean, there's the pressure of your internal organs pressing yeah. against the stitch. Oh, oh. Okay, so uh, back to <laughs> uh, back to when things started happening. That pitocin also causes a great deal of pain and discomfort. Is that right? Yes, uh, it makes the contractions more powerful. So probably after about ten to fifteen minutes in where I started feeling them coming, probably about three minutes apart. And how did the epidural feel? Well, I've heard horror stories about the epidural needle, how badly it hurts and how they need to keep you hunched over in an uncomfortable position for 15 minutes while, while you're going through contractions. But luckily, the lady that gave me the epidural was calm and gentle that I hardly felt but a little sting. And while she was giving the epidural to me, she, she started a conversation with me to get my mind off of any discomfort, and I ended up finding out that we had a lot in common. That's awesome. Her son is named Oliver, and uh, her husband is named John. Are you serious? Yeah. That's oh, uh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and did she help you through delivery? No. Uh, I went through multiple nurses while staying there, 24 hours of labor. Every shift change. <laughs> yes, exactly. I saw probably all the nurses that they had. <laughs> While she was talking to me, I could slowly feel my whole lower body warming up and tingling. And 15 minutes in, my left eye started closing on its own. <laughs> what? Yeah, I even took a picture and sent it to Micah. I'm like, I found uh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. I'll show you. 
Did it make, did it like make you feel like you were peeing yourself? Kind of like the, what is it, that they inject in you whenever they give you a CT scan? Well, I, I didn't have any feeling down there. Oh, true. At all. I mean... So I just felt just really warm, tingly, and, and cozy and euphoric. So that's interesting. What made you feel euphoric? Was it the epidural? Yes, it was. See, that's weird. I had no idea it had an effect like that. I thought it was only like the nervous system, and I didn't know it was euphoric. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and I guess maybe just the calming effects of it made me feel more motivated to... Uh, produce more, probably produce your own natural oxytocin. oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And then Plus what's that other chemical? Why can't I think of it? Serotonin? Yeah, serotonin. Serotonin, yes. Oh, that's fascinating. When did you deliver? How long of a time had passed when you've had everything pumped in you as far as medications and IV drips, saline? After all of that, the Foley tube, um, they ended up breaking my water at five centimeters. It's funny, um, kind of gross, but, well, after they broke my water, Oliver had his first bowel movement. And it, yeah, it's called meconium, and it looks green, which can be, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. And I felt it running down my leg. And like, oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, oh, he, he had his first bowel movement. And I'm like, oh. I would have been, like, inside me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it can be a sign of fetal distress or because he was a week late or both. Okay. Huh. Hey, but when he gets older, you can use that as blackmail. Like, I'm going to tell them that you had your first bowel movement when you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, and as a result of that, they had to put you both on antibiotics, right? Yes. It was just a fever, and that's why they had to put us on antibiotics. I had a high fever after giving birth. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they probably just wanted to ensure that you wouldn't get an infection. Yes. I didn't start feeling contractions until probably an hour before I delivered him, which was really helpful because I felt the urge to push. Yeah, and some women, if they're given even more of the drip, they don't feel that urgency, and then that makes things really tough. Yeah, I almost asked for more more medicine because it was getting pretty painful and uncomfortable. If I did, I wouldn't have been able to feel the urge to push. But, I mean, I've always wondered, and I don't think I've ever asked you this, like, uh, I know the contractions were extremely painful and all that, but like when it came to actually pushing, did some of your adrenaline kick in and make it less painful or was it that intense even? Well, that? Um, actually the adrenaline helped and the pushing through the contractions helped a lot. My nurse was really awesome. By the time that I started feeling everything, they propped my feet up and the nurse lubed me up and started going to town in my vagina. She stretched my perineum every time I started having contractions and coached me on how to push, which when you're pushing, you push like you're having a bowel movement. I thought it was with like the muscles in your vagina, but it, it's the muscles around your rectal area. So really? it feels like, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're pushing out. Feels like you're having a seven pound, 20 inch long bowel movement. Ah, oh. <laughs> ah, no. I don't think I want children. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Well, there's a feeling of losing hope while you're feeling those contractions and like, oh God, this is never going to end. So I requested a mirror so I could see him coming out of me. 
And after they showed me that mirror, it gave me so much motivation to continue going because I actually could see him coming down. After he got the supplies ready, it was ready to push one last time. And this part stung like crazy. They call it the ring of fire at that stage. Oh. And <laughs> I attest to that. It felt like my vagina was ripping. And I started, I started crying again and softly moaning through the pushes. And after that, the head was out. That was the hardest part. Then came the shoulders, which were a lot easier. And the rest just slipped right out. <laughs> just slipped right out. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know that I would want to see that happening. Like, I think I would just want to get it over with and not see anything. Because I would be like, oh, no, my vagina. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I could. I didn't know it could stretch that far. Right. I thought I'd be the same way, but it, it was actually really helpful. See, my sister had told me that whenever she had her son that it felt like she was taking a big poop. But I didn't think it was everyone. I thought it was just her, but... Oh yeah. my goodness. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, I didn't think it'd be like that. Yeah, I had no idea that you had to use your rectal muscles. Your muscles. Your muscles. And God, it's a wonder why women don't pass out. That's why I rested in between contractions. You need to rest because after the contraction, you have a few moments of calm and no pain, and then it starts up again. So it's not bam, bam, bam. Like I thought it would be. Well, childbirth sounds like a nightmare. It, it does. It sounds worse than what it really was, but I actually enjoyed it. It was pretty amazing, the feeling and just the experience of it all. And that is amazing, seeing that you made a tiny little human. It is. So and I'm so happy about it. I'm ready to meet him. Yes. All right, well, thank you for that very graphic uh, image. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, well, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for calling in, Charity. It was lovely talking to you. And uh, is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, that's, I think I, I added enough information. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, thanks for calling. Uh, you have a good evening. Thank you. Bye, Charity. Bye. One thing I wanted to talk about was Norway. Yes. Beautiful country. Beautiful people. Peaceful country. What, 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 uh, what are your thoughts on Norway? Honestly, I want to freaking live there. <laughs> yes. Their health care is so much better than ours. And even though their taxes are higher, like, they're a very financially grounded area, you know? And they really don't, they don't leave where they grow up at because most families pass their homes down to their children. That's what I heard, uh, that it was really deep root. They have a lot of deep roots there. Uh, a lot of generations passing property, allotments, and homes down. Uh, it's a very great sense of community there. The population of roughly five million, uh, I would say that's pretty tight. And, uh, but the, the crazy thing, it's a, it's a big, pretty big country as far as m land mass um, and square miles.
but five million people if you compare that to like new york city alone has like over eight million people yeah it's not very many people and like i like that i hate crowded areas i like open space yes lots and lots of country mountains beautiful beautiful landscape i i do love uh they're, they're a socialist country as i'm sure you know and which that type of socialism works great for them i think yeah because i have mixed views on socialism so do i i like i mean i like the idea of socialism like a democracy democratic socialism yeah um where there's a sense of community and we're uh, not a total communist regime. Uh, Which is more like a cult yeah. of <laughs> well, yeah. socialism. North Korea, I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, but Norway, yeah, they, they, it works, I think, so well because of the population. Uh, like, if you try to do that here in America with 300-plus million people, I don't think it would work. No, I really don't think it would work at all. <laughs> and another thing is the weather. The weather is amazing there, mm. whereas here it's hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. Yes. Cold, uh, hot. <laughs> yeah, the, we the weather is gorgeous there. Uh, and I, I love in their government house, like you said, they're taxed excessively. Uh, I think 60 to 70% of their earnings. But that goes to education, health care, mm -hmm. the roads, and the you know, the rest of these government plans and programs they have in place. Which is where taxes should go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And and really, for them, it balances out. Uh, like, people think, oh, my God, that's so much money. But, I mean, if you're not having to pay $6,000 to go to the doctor or go to the emergency room, I think that balances it out. Uh, not to mention a four-year education that you do not have to pay for. And go Which into is debt. amazing. You had mentioned how the weather um, has a great deal with the mood and the um, bringing them together as a whole. Yeah, because they have to support each other. Mm -hmm. I love that sense of community, and I love that type of weather because sometimes it will be beautiful and clear, but other times it'll be gorgeous and overcast. And there's rains and it's green forests and mountains and waters. It's lush. This makes me want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> Texas. It's a wonderful, wonderful country, and they're gorgeous people. Scandinavian people are oh, gorgeous. <laughs> Blonde hair, blue eyes, the lot of them. I like their accent too. Cannabis. Uh, one strange thing I heard: cannabis is illegal there still. They did a decriminalization, I think, in 2017. Um, but like still possession. So is it basically like how it is here where if they have like a gram, they get let go? Or is it like yeah. they don't get arrested for it at all? They just confiscate, confiscate yeah. it? Yeah, well, it, it is a little different from the U.S., but they do kind of go by the amount you have on you. If you were stocked with a quarter ounce, they're just going to give you a warning and say, eh, go on. But, uh, you know, if you have a half a pound of weed. They're going to be like, what are you doing with that there? I uh, think they're going <laughs> to give you a talking to, and then they'll fine you. But still, even with a half a bag of weed, they're not going to haul your ass to jail like they would. And you're not going to sit in there waiting for weeks or days or months even, yeah. waiting for your court date, which some yeah. people get forgotten. Ugh. And they have to send the sergeant 
a pink slip and they have to tell them, hey, I'm still here. Like, mm. when is my court date? I've been in here for like three months. That's terrible. It's ridiculous. The U.S. and out the criminalization of drugs and especially marijuana, because I don't think marijuana should be classified even as a drug. It's insane to me how alcohol is legal and mm -hmm. so prevalent and commercialized and it's causes it's population so controls. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Which mm -hmm. is a lot of the reason why they won't legalize it is because they know that a lot of people would lose their jobs and I've, pharmacies would close down because a lot of the medicines that we use, marijuana, would help with like a lot of those. Yes, absolutely. People with PTSD, people with um, array of mental illnesses. I know it helps me considerably. Me too. Anxiety, depression, what have you. And even now, they're just now learning the, the medical health benefits of both THC and CBD. Uh, I, I think people, I mean, I don't get it. Why is there such a stigma for so long surrounding it? It's like, like the commercial of the girl melting or whatever. Yes, those anti-cannabis campaign commercials in the 90s. And oh, they're so terrible. ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. But and yes. another thing is that like it doesn't just help with the medical part. It would be better than cotton and other fabrics. They could use oh, that yeah. in place like of it. Like the hemp and, and mm -hmm. the natural plant material. Absolutely. It's a, it's a universal uh, herb. You can you can use so many benefits. So many benefits. You can make salves and oils and material, paper. I heard that Oklahoma is meddling with legislation legalizing uh, medically. I don't know. Do you think Texas will ever? Um... Honestly, I'm kind of wishy-washy about that because I know there's a lot of Christian people that their views aren't the same on marijuana. And then there's just other people who aren't the same. And then there's like a whole bunch of stoners. Mm -hmm. But also, a lot of the stoners around here like don't push for it to be legalized. Yeah. Which is why I feel there's like not, it's It's not. weird. It's like they're, they're really, they're quiet. There's not a big sense of uh, protest or community surrounding uh, cannabis and really there needs to be because that's why there's states like Oregon and Colorado and California were legalized because yeah because they really pushed it. for mm -hmm. it like if you're if you're someone who's a deep investor um, and say say like the state of Texas legalized it recreationally and medically or medicinally it would still be illegal at the federal level so, like, you still risk getting busted by the FBI, and that's just absurd when there's even state law that would protect you. The FBI could still come in anytime they wanted. Yeah. That's, that's why it needs to be, I've said this before in the show, but it needs to be legalized at the federal level. I agree with like that. Like gay marriage, you know. Yeah. Uh, Supreme Court, just pass that through. Ridiculous, those anti-cannabis uh, campaigns. Painting it like smoking cannabis was that of a heroin addict that's what they would compare it to. i know or or i could god i saw this one i don't i still don't know if it was real or if it was like satire just kind of making fun of it but um there's this kid 
and he has a gun. It's not, it's so. I know what you're talking about. And he's like, I'm high, man. And then he just, he pulls the trigger. Just take one hit. Don't you want to be cool? What are you doing? I'm so high. Nothing can hurt me. No. I hope to God that's not a real can, or that wasn't. Well, because that's just not, no. Like, it doesn't increase your chances of killing yourself. In fact, it helps you not to do that. Mm -hmm. does the opposite. Yeah. All those effects are false. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Speaking of that, one of my exes went to jail for possessing marijuana. Whenever she got out the next day, they gave her a pamphlet. I wish I had it and I could read everything it said on it. But it was like saying that marijuana kills it makes you starve yourself and like a bunch of stuff that <laughs> was not true like i was like it does the opposite than that like it makes you want to eat all the time i know that's the, that's what's so great because it, it, like people who really legitimately lose their appetite like cancer patients they smoke or ingest edibles or whatever and then they get their appetite back that's such a healthy thing See, I used to struggle with anorexia, and I didn't want to eat because I always felt self-conscious about myself. Not anymore. I don't feel that way anymore, so don't okay. worry. But um, when I started smoking, that's when I started really gaining weight, and it actually really helped me to get into the habit of eating every day and watching what I eat and all that extra stuff. Uh, yes, but it, it helped you with your eating disorder? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Like, I used to be in double zeros. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. And um, I yeah. weighed probably about 98, whereas now I weigh 145, yeah. I think. So that's how much it's really helped me. Well, that's good. I'm sorry you struggled with that. I didn't know that. I don't share it very often. But yeah. now that, you know, I'm past it, I'm more open about it because I'm not struggling with it anymore. Mm-hmm. When I first started smoking heavily, it would make me just paranoid, and I would self-internalize all these feelings. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it was like different strains that I would smoke yeah. that would do that to me. Uh, sativas, I've I've realized, and still to this day, I can both I can smoke both strains and be okay, because that was when I just first started. Me too, but I will not smoke Jedi. Have you ever smoked Jedi? No, I haven't. What is that? It's a it's a sativa hybrid or something. Oh, but <laughs> I swear, like it makes you feel like a Jedi, pretty much, like you're in outer space. Oh wow! I literally, I'll tell you this story. I don't think I've ever told you this story, but forgive me, mom, if you listen to this. I'm sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> but I snuck out to go smoke because my friend had brought me some. And I would climb out the window and go smoke it during the night when my family was asleep. So I snuck out, and I go off into this little area. I climb the fence, and I would go to this little area that has all these bushes so that the dogs wouldn't see me and they wouldn't bark. So I went over there, lit it, you know, hit it, felt good, whatever. Then it hit in that, like super fast. And uh, I started hallucinating pretty much. I thought I saw my bedroom light come on, so I was like, oh shit, my mom 
has caught me. I'm in trouble. So I legitimately was ducked down into the bushes, staring at the window, waiting for her to call my name or, you know, yell at me or something. Yeah. But then I realized that the light wasn't on and that I was tripping. Well, then on top of that, I swore I thought I heard my mom come out front and yell at the dogs. And I was like, crap, she's awake, you know? So I literally jumped into the bushes and was like laying on my stomach (laughs) in like an army position, (laughs) watching, waiting for her to go inside because I thought she was outside. Turns out I was hearing things too. So I was like, okay, I need to go back inside before I end up getting into something. Well, I wake up the next morning and the bush that I was hiding in was a poison ivy freaking bush. Oh, I had no. hives everywhere. And I was like, how am I going to explain this to my mom? So I told her I went for a walk in the woods and I happened upon some poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Do you think that maybe that strain was laced with something? I mean, it's possible because I don't know why I would, you know, see the light have on. Such bizarre effect and hear or things. Yeah, hallucinate. I can't say that word. Hallucinations. (laughs) Now that I I smoke more regularly, that doesn't happen to me. It's like I I have a higher tolerance for it, and I can smoke anything, and it really doesn't bother me. If I smoke a heavy indica, it's going to give me couch lock where I, you know. You just sit there. Yeah. You want to watch Netflix and Yeah, but I see those (laughs) things. I don't like those as much as like these where you feel talkative and active and just a little chill, you know? Have you heard of uh, Israeli joints? Yes. Where it's like laced with cocaine. I was watching um, this movie that came out on Netflix, which is really good, by the way. It's called um, Russian Doll. Yes. And she thought because she kept waking up. I love that show. In the same day, she thought that it was the Israeli joints. <laughs> she was tripping out. Yeah. Oh, that was good. I like that. But, but it wasn't. It didn't end up being cocaine. <laughs> when she comes out the, in the next scene, whenever she wakes up again, she just walks out there and she's like, did you know that that's not cocaine in that? And the girl was uh, like, yeah. what? <laughs> Do you honestly think there's different timelines of us absolutely me too yes like i really do because sometimes i feel like i connect with that other person it's Mm -hmm. weird when i'm dreaming because Mm -hmm. it's like it feels so real and then when i wake up i'm like holy crap that felt like i was actually experiencing that you feel things and you hear things and sense things that you wouldn't otherwise it's just weird yeah i can totally relate to that i i uh I totally believe there are parallel dimensions and timelines. And and I know, like, even with the first quantum computer, uh, I can't remember who put it out. I think Google maybe put out the first quantum computer. Uh, it was bringing back data that they didn't even program into it from another source, and it was retrieving data from another quantum computer and there's only two, or there's only one other quantum computer, and it was both Google has it. That's crazy. And so that means that it would have had to have been a different timeline or communicating with another quantum computer. The cannabis market is estimated to grow exponentially, up to 80 billion by 2030. 
And that's not that far away, you know, a decade pretty much. That's so crazy and to think that that's a decade. Oh. Yeah. And so it's time for investors to start paying attention. Because whether or not you're planning on ingesting any THC, you can't deny the monumental investing opportunity that a potentially 80 billion industry represents. <laughs> that was my little radio tidbit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, download the what app. What is the app called? Stash. S-T-A-S-H. The Dead Sea, uh, obviously by its name. Yeah, I it's mean, a dead no, sea. And no uh, aquatic, aquatic life. life can yeah, there. and the reason why is because the high salinity levels, mm -hmm. uh, extremely high concentrations of salt, and uh, through that, it creates this really strange effect where when people wade or float in it, uh, they completely float. I know. I, they don't. Sink. I know about that. It's freaking it's insane. It's something like thirty-three percent salinity, so it's a ton of salt. And so you're just going to bob there. The water is so dense uh, in comparison to the proportions of the rest of your body, you just end up floating. And you can, like, read a book while you're just floating. That's awesome because I can't float <laughs> in regular water. I, 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 can you float and, like, keep your – I can, but I can't, I can't keep my legs up. Yeah, I never can keep I, my legs up. I can up keep, like, the, my toes up. the very end of my knees out pretty much mm -hmm. from my head to the end of my knees. But when it comes to my actual leg <laughs> and my feet. Yeah, they always sink. And then you can put on like this nat uh, natural algae mud that's in the surrounding like beach and put it all over your body. And it's like a cleansing as botanicals and exfoliants for your skin. And then just wash it off in the salt water. It feels like you did a spa. Wow. And Oh, and another really cool thing, there's this artist, I can't remember her name. She takes garments, like old garments from her basement or vintage dresses and uh, from boutiques and such, and she takes those and, and like anchors them to this big metal cage, and they lower it into the Dead Sea, and they keep it there anywhere from like a year to two years. In that time, the salinity, the salt, and the water crystallizes around whatever object they put in. And That's crazy. And it becomes this beautiful sculpture when they bring it out. It's amazing. They've done slippers, glass slippers. And these are actual, like, clothes that you can wear, or are they just, like, decorative? Oh, well, after they've been crystallized, they'll shatter to pieces. So yeah. you want to, like, keep them, and then she puts them in a museum, or, like an art piece, and displays them as art. When they first are dipped in, yeah, they used to be worn garments like dresses and shoes and played cello. Some people have argued whether or not that's really an art form or if she's just dipping random items into the ocean. But I think that took an eye, a creative eye, to see that vision and do it, and she did and it. And test it out. And more yeah. power to her. That's awesome. It's kind of sad that it's, you know, it's dead, but it's always been dead. Yeah. There's never been aquatic life. Uh, Have you ever thought that, like, prehistoric <laughs> times, like maybe the Dead Sea was alive? Oh, we don't I'm know sure that? it was alive at some point, but, like, not in our lifetime, I mean. But, uh, yeah, because yeah, there's evidence of it being even deeper. There's so much damn salt, it loses water every single year. And 
that's kind of sad. It decreases water every year. Maybe we'll have a flood again. They always say, if you if you believe in the Bible, they say, well, God won't flood the earth again. Uh, right, but he never said he wouldn't flood parts of the earth. The West Coast it would be the first to go, California. Do you believe that? I know this is off topic, but do you believe mm. that every religion like has Sorry. some facts about the history of the earth? Yes. Oh yeah, because even you know, even if you don't agree or totally believe every passage in the Bible, there are a lot of things that do match up to historic events. Yeah, and that's documented in both history and geography and religion. So, see, and I was taught a strictly <clears throat> biblical perspective of history, <clears throat> so I had to branch out on my own and like look into everything else once i did that i was like wow if you just base it off of one little area you really don't see the full picture i mean we still don't know fully in my opinion yeah but i feel like a lot of it is connected like a big circle yes i agree uh about how it circles back and it has you know a large connection there are things that are marked by historical evidence like, I do believe that there was, in fact, a person named Jesus. Me too. And, you know, do I know if he was God's son? I, I don't know. I do believe that Jesus got sacrificed because it's not as bad now, but there's still some, you know, people like that that will sacrifice someone because of their religion. Oh, yeah. And I feel like... Because they didn't, at that time, have the same views as Jesus, that he got sacrificed for it. I just don't completely buy into what religion is selling, and particularly what the entirety of the Bible says. Because that's another thing, there's tons of different Bibles. There's tons of different, different translations, translations and versions. Um, and whether they believe it or not, that, that creates differences in what... The because is what think of saying. it like even everyone in religion can basically agree that humans are imperfect so whenever they recreate this law and religion and you know they add little increments or they remove little increments or say that you know this doesn't apply anymore but it applied so and so years ago mm -hmm. it's imperfect and I, I wish people saying. would, they would realize that it's imperfect. And instead of basing everything off of each You can't book, compare it by today's standards or today's society, cultures, you know. Where view The normal, what we view as normal in culture today. Is nowhere near yeah. what was normal back then. And we can't compare that. And I understand that. I've come to understand that. I was a little bitter towards it at first. Me too. To be honest, like, because I felt like I was drowned in it. Mm. I was drowned in religion. Sorry, Mom, once again. But I felt like I was drowned in religion and that I felt basically Same. every day when I woke up, like, anxiety because I felt like I was so imperfect that God could never love me because I have made a lot of mistakes. But it made me feel guilt to no end. And I would be on my knees praying and crying and going through 
that every day and just being completely depressed because of how men in the churches, you know, violated me and stuff. I just felt dirty, you know. Mm. So then whenever I ventured out on my own, even though I did a lot of dumb stuff and like had a dumb view on religion in general, like thought God at all didn't exist. Even though I went through that, I felt like that was God's way of getting me to where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I I feel similar. Yeah. Is that you? (laughs) Jesus. What was that? What was that? (laughs) Oh, you're biting on the candy. (laughs) Okay. Oh, God. I thought it was your teeth at first. I was like, Hannah! They shattered. Oh, do you ever have dreams of, like, shattering your teeth? Yes, all Uh, the time. You know that's a sign of having anxiety and being stressed. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I have a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. I haven't had one in a while, but, ooh, they're terrible. I've always wanted to learn... German? Yes, German. Me too. Like, I know a few things like... uh, Man. How is the weather? What is that? This does better. You would think that I would know the language since I watch so many German TV shows. No. I, I mean, it's really <laughs> similar to the English language. They have similar vowels, and mm-hmm. the alphabet is uh, pretty similar, too. Um, and, 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 like, if you watch Danish or uh, Dutch or German, especially, like, um, Sweden, it sounds so similar, some words. To English, yeah. and you're like, oh God, I know exactly what they're saying. <laughs> Instead of saying uh, yes, they'd be like, yeah. And then, of course, no is nine. And if you said the weather is good, they'd say, dos uh, vete is gut. <laughs> See, it sounds so similar to the weather is good. Uh, I used to know the alphabet. Y is upsilum. Isn't that weird? It has That's like so in- many syllables. In, um, it's either Y or Z. French, Oops, no. it's um, W. Why? Is W? No, that's W. Oh. That's so many syllables. I used to know the entire alphabet, too, and, but in French. But that's cool. I, I used <laughs> to sit there, and I would, like, sound it out with this video, and then I would write it down. And then just go over and over and over for like an hour. And then I could have done something with it, but I was like, yeah, like we said, unfinished projects. Yeah. I even tried Rosetta Stone for a while, Spanish. But I just, uh, I couldn't stick with it. I think the best way to learn Spanish is to be immersed into the culture and actually have someone that speaks it every day. Because what you're going to learn from Rosetta Stone is not what they say. Not at all. And I learned that from living with a couple that spoke Spanish. I would listen to how they said it and how my school taught me. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can see why they look at me weird whenever I try and say certain words. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's not even correct for what they actually speak. It's like our language. We've kind of dumbed it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure every single language has done that. Oh, yeah. And it's like the same language in Mexico and Spain and everything. But it's different at the same time. It's like Spanish in Spain will be so different than Spanish in Mexico. And then Spanish in the U.S. will be so different than in Mexico. I feel like Rosetta Stone and like really 
a textbook Spanish is too formal. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, it's like if we said our thys and thous and yeah stuff. So it would be like uh, I recently found out, and I don't remember how to say it, but I was taught formally to introduce myself as like, "Hola, cómo está? Usted me llamo Micah." But I heard somebody told me that's like really too formal, and it's not really how you should do it. <laughs> I'll probably be cutting this out because it sounds horribly embarrassing, so. <laughs> Why? I'm probably saying it's it wrong. It's naturally you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Thinking Outside the Box with Micah and Hannah. It's been great. I had a uh, wonderful time. Uh, of course, as always. And uh, we look forward to producing more episodes weekly. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Bye.